When I say God, what thoughts, emotions, memories come to mind? Like those are loaded three letters right there. For many, when I say God, you think of acceptance and peace and comfort. But others, maybe there's guilt or, or fear or anger or rejection or just annoyance at the word God. And I think often there's a mix of emotions and feelings with that word, right? But is that really, if there is a God, is that really what he wants for us? These weird mixed emotions where you can't really figure it out? Like, is there a way to know and experience who God really is? Jesus said there was. So let's talk about it together. Another word that brings really many of the same feelings is the word father. For some, this brings really good feelings of support and, and love and security, maybe memories of things you used to do with your father, maybe you still do. Like for me, the word father, that's a really good word. But I know for others, that word is it's not all rosy and happy, is it? There Maybe there's feelings of fear, abandonment, pressure, this idea that you just really can't measure up. And again, I think there's a mixture for a lot of us of both types of feelings, good and bad, when we hear the word father, because relationships are complicated and they're even more complicated when it's this parent-child relationship, right? So now let's take both ideas, God and father and all those emotions wrapped into it. And we say that God is our heavenly father. See, trying to understand our relationship with God can be overwhelmingly complex. And for many, a relationship with God seems really more complicated than their relationships with their families. Even the Apostle Paul had a complicated relationship with God. See, early on, he devoted his life to, to learning and memorizing and obeying God's laws. And when this new cult came out in the early first century and claimed that this executed peasant was actually God in a body, Paul took it upon himself to hunt those followers down and imprison them and kill them. But then he met this peasant and he realized that Jesus really was the resurrected God of the universe in a body. And it completely changed his view of who God is and what he wants for us. And so in Paul's theological masterpiece that we call the book of Romans, he explains how Jesus completely redefines our view and experience of God. And here's what he says. For all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. What does it mean to be led by the Spirit? That really goes back to everything he wrote in the earlier part of this eighth chapter of Romans. But what he's talking about is what we've been talking about in this series. That it's a complete change of our identity. A change of our actions and our, our choices and our preferences and our, our passions and our, our what we mourn and what we celebrate. See, it's, it's becoming more and more like Jesus as God's Spirit transforms us from the inside out. We are changed because our relationship with God is completely transformed. And he goes on. He says, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Fear is such a powerful, enslaving motivator, isn't it? And think about religion. Religion preys on our natural inclination toward fear. Religion usually taps into our fear and anxiety of an uncertain future, of this dread of losing what we hold most dear, even this fear of judgment. Think about it. So many religions make their worshipers fearful slaves to the deities or, or the spiritual forces. 
where we feel like we have to beg and, and cower to, to not offend these these gods or this god. That's why shamans and, and medicine men have, are around to ward off evil spirits and make sacrifices at these different shrines so that the people can be safe. There's superstitions to ward off evil things, right? Evil things that can happen to us. I remember my brother got married in Hong Kong and we went and visited this Buddhist temple. And at the entrance to the temple was like this, this stall where you could buy different paper things. It was like you could buy things from, you could buy a paper credit card that had Bank of Hell written on it. And you could buy these, these fake paper cigarettes. And then you would buy these and then go burn them on the altars to your ancestors. Because people were afraid that if they didn't sacrifice their ancestors, their ancestors would give them bad luck if they weren't honored. Maybe for you or for us, it's more subtle or modern, right? We, we make sure the universe isn't against us. And so we do good things and we send positive thoughts and vibes out to the universe so that, you know, karma doesn't get us. Or maybe, you know, you're, you don't give in to that hocus pocus stuff. You're, you're a Christian. Well, maybe you disguise it with Christianity. Maybe this is how you were first introduced to Christianity, how you first introduced to God that this idea that God is angry at you because of your sin. And so you need to feel really bad and do good things. You need to say these certain prayers. You need to maybe light candles. You definitely need to give more money. So hopefully he's not mad at you anymore. So you might, just might, avoid going to hell. But you really can never be fully certain. So you really got to be as pious and good as you can. What Paul is saying is, if you are a child of God, what you have is so much better than that religious experience. It's so much more powerful. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. As John said uh, in 1 John, perfect love expels all fear. See, being a child of God is being able to be free from fear. Instead of being chained to it and motivated, motivated by this fear that we, we all tend to have and those superstitions we anxiously allow to control us, a child of God is, give, is given the actual spirit of God to live in them. And they are freed from being controlled by fear. Being a child of God is completely different from what we think of as religion. It says that you have received, have received, it's a moment, the moment somebody chooses to trust Jesus as their God and their king, they receive the Holy Spirit. The enslavement to fear ends and the freedom in the family of God begins. It's a done deal. You have received this. You have been adopted, Paul says, and he uses that word adoption on purpose. It conveys the idea that God chooses us as his own children. And this had a lot of meaning in the first century Roman culture. Because in first century Roman adoption, the, the father would deliberately choose a, a boy to carry on his name. Not his natural born son, but he would adopt somebody to carry on his name and inherit his estate. It was as binding and as legal as a naturally born son. A famous example is Gaius Octavius, who was the adoptive son of Julius Caesar. And he became Caesar Augustus. Maybe you heard about him in one of the gospel stories. And so Octavius inherited the name and the status and the rights and the freedoms and the wealth of Julius Caesar. It's how he became the actual first emperor of Rome. And when Julius Caesar was deified later on, Octavius or Caesar Augustus became son of the God. 
And so God himself, God the Father, adopting Jesus' followers as his children is huge. No other religion really has this idea that God chooses and accepts anyone who wants to be full members of his family with all the privileges of belonging to his family without having to earn it or do anything to deserve it. And so you might be thinking, maybe you're not thinking this, but later on you're going to maybe feel this. You say, okay, but like he's God, right? And, and we're not. So there's still this separation. Yeah, he accepts us, but there's a, he's, he's holy. He's righteous, right? He keeps his distance because he's so great and, and we're so sinful, right? Like we need to keep this reverent, emotional distance from God Almighty, right? Really? Check this out. It really doesn't get any better than this. Now we call him Abba, Father. Now, meaning like this is something new. You once were slaves to fear and sin and all that. Now we call him Abba, Father. The relationship has fundamentally changed. And the meaning there of, of we call him, is other translations say we cry out to. But it's not like a help me. It's a a delight, an excitement, like when a, a little baby boy sees his mom and he's like, ah, right? It's this crying out of delight to our Abba Father. And this Abba is, an, is I know it's a band, but it's also this interesting word. It's it's Hebrew, basically, for, for father, but it's a little, a little different than father. Some have said it's like daddy, which has always been really weird for me and kind of hard to grasp because you know, I'm a grown man. I don't call my dad daddy right? But this summer, my parents treated my, my kids and my wife and I to going on a high ropes course. And the kids, we, we, it was so fun. It was, the kids loved it. They went off on their own and then they'd be like, dad, did you see me? This was, da, da, da. did you love that one where you did the zip line? And dad, that was, like, everybody was just so excited. And my dad was there and I was like, dad, did you see them do that? He's like, oh yeah, my neck hurts from looking up so much and watching you guys, right? Well, I was up high on, on this rope, like up in the trees, right? And I hear, uh, these kids following their dad, I see them following their dad, and they're speaking a language that I'm not really familiar with, but I hear, Abba, Abba, da 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 right? Well, it was an Israeli family, I think, and an Abba was just what his kids were calling him because they were, it, he was their dad, and they are just enjoying this awesome experience together, just as my kids and, and my dad had just been, like, my kids are just like, Dad, did you see me? It was, it was this idea of they were just so comfortable, yet it's still their dad, their father. There's that respect, but there's this love and freedom. They know that he accepts them and he's enjoying life with them. Those were those kids, those two kids, were the only people on earth who could call him Abba because those were, the only, those were his kids. And see, Jesus called Father God Abba, and he taught his followers to do the same. And this term was used throughout the early church in memory of Jesus' distinct and meaningful way of relating to God. And so now for Jesus followers, for children of God, instead of us having to approach God like, oh, heavenly father, turn your holy ear to my pitiful voice. Instead of that, it's dad, did you see that? Thank you so much. Or Dad, I'm really struggling with this right now. Will you will you help me? Or okay, Dad, I trust you. I will. I don't understand, but I'll do what you say. See, when we pray as children of God, we're not begging the deity to notice us. We're asking and we're trusting our Dad to take care of it. My ex like as I was working on this message, my example um, 
as a pastor, church money can be a fearful thing. And this summer, you know, people have been scared about money. And so there's not as much generosity going on. Let's just say that. It's been a rough summer financially for church stuff. And I get stressed. And I mean, that's, you know, livelihood and people rely on things. And I, I realize that when I pray about money, especially church money, I feel like I'm begging this great deity to have mercy on me. But reading this, it kind of clicked. You know how you can read something over and over and over, and then finally it clicks, and you can teach it, and then it clicks? Finally, I was able to say, Dad, I'm worried about money. Will you please take care of this? And nothing changed, like financially at that moment, but this peace came over me that my heavenly dad was in charge, and he could take it. See, children of God exchanged the fear of a servant for the faith of a daughter or son. So how can we be sure we have this relationship? Like, is it just something we, we pretend we feel and all that? Or is it something we can really be sure about? For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. See, like I said, you can be told something over and over, but until you actually feel it, you don't fully experience it. And God knows that about us. And when we choose allegiance to Jesus, to make Jesus our king, in some way, and I'm not going to be able to fully explain it, the Holy Spirit of God works with our inner emotions and affirms that we are children of God. See, the Holy Spirit isn't just part of making us children of God. He makes us aware and he affirms that we are children of God by giving proof in our hearts as we enjoy calling out to him. Like there's something in us that when we get this and we can call out to God and enjoy God as our dad, as our Abba, there's something in us that affirms that is who he is. It's affirm, assurance, right? Feeling secure in who we are and who he is. I think a lot of us, me included, tend to view God and tend to view Jesus through this intellectual lens. If we we think if we study and, and we know the right stuff and know enough stuff, then we'll experience the life Jesus offers. And there's nothing wrong with, with studying. It's great. There's nothing wrong with knowing more about Jesus. Awesome. But that's only part of it. See, we can know it and feel it. It's not just agreeing to facts, but it's enjoying and experiencing God. And this experience affects the deepest parts of our being. See, think about it. If being a child of God has not and does not make you feel free and peaceful, and joyful, maybe something's not right. But there's even more to this. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. See, just as Octavius inherited Julius Caesar's power, wealth, and, and all of that, children of God also have an inheritance. Jesus shares the glory he earned through his life, death, and resurrection with us. We, he identifies with us, and we get to identify with him. We are heirs of God through Jesus because we belong to Jesus. And this is an inheritance. It, it has this idea of this future, but also now. It's a both-and idea where this inheritance is life in the fullest now, in complete sense of living life now, truly human now and forever, and we will enjoy that for eternity. To be a child of God means we get to enjoy the benefits of being an heir of God now while we look to the future for our full, everlasting inheritance. But there's a catch. 
But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. We must also share his suffering. Wait, what is this? Like my note when I was first studying this, I was like, wait, what kind of suffering? Paul is saying that suffering is this necessary aspect of being a child of God. Like suffering is for children of God. It's, it's a family tradition. And he's talking about the daily struggles, tensions, and even persecutions of following Jesus that are, that are just part of the life of those who follow the one who suffered for us. But this suffering, it's way more than just that, you know, whatever doesn't kill me makes me stronger type of thing that everyone has. No, this suffering is the natural outcome of living for a different king than everyone else around you lives for. It's not just people not liking you because you're obnoxious religious right? In John 15, Jesus says, since they hate me, they will hate you. See, children of God live a different life with different priorities, different motivations, different allegiances than those around them. And they give up by choice, comforts, luxuries, rights, and privileges in order to really experience the full life Jesus offers, which really they're giving up things that won't last anyway, right? Children of God give up the life they think they want for the full life Jesus offers. See, following Jesus is not just this happy, pappy life all the time. No, it's real life. And you really deal with real things, but it is a full life. It's having in Jesus this glory and peace and joy now and forever, even though there is suffering. And so a question for you, if you call yourself a Jesus follower or a child of God, what have you suffered because you're a child of God? What have you had to give up in order for your, because of your allegiance to Jesus? How have you shifted your life in a way that might have been uncomfortable in order to follow Jesus? If there's been no suffering, you're like, wait, that doesn't sound like what I signed up for. Maybe you need to rethink what following Jesus really is about and ask yourself, have you actually been following Jesus? Now, if you're not a Jesus follower and maybe you're checking this out and you've made it this far in the episode, well done. This is what is offered to you. Like this is the life that Jesus offers you. Yes, the suffering, but also full adoption as a child of God. Assurance, peace, freedom from the control of fear in your life. You don't have to make decisions based on fear anymore. You have acceptance. You are loved just for who you are by the God of the universe. You can have access to God just as kids have access to loving parents, right? My kids can come in and interrupt me anytime and know that I'm going to hug them and smile at them and enjoy them. That's the kind of access you can have to God. Full life now and forever. Jesus said, I came. Why did Jesus come to the world? He says, I came to give life and give it abundantly, to give full life. And so Jesus invites you to this full life. It can be yours. Jesus also said, come to me all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will guarantee, I will give you rest. This is the relationship with God that is available to anyone who wants it. You just have to say, yes, God, I want this relationship. Yes, Jesus, I choose to make my allegiance to you as my king. Now, if you are a Jesus follower, this is your reality. This is who you are. You are a child of the king. But often we don't, I don't think we realize or understand or even accept what we actually have. Think about it. You have been reborn to the privilege as a child of the king. 
Think if you woke up one day and you found out that your dad or your mom was the king or queen of England, and now you get all that inheritance. That's what we have. But we have to choose to act and live like it. See, often we choose to act and live like scared servants. My challenge to you, my encouragement to you, be who you are. You are a beloved child of the king of the universe. And so to help that sink in this week, I'm encouraging us to read more of what Paul says in Romans. In Romans 8, 31 through 39, read that. And I've, I've asked, if you've been following along, I've asked you to read that quite a few times in these episodes because it's so powerful. But this time, read it with the idea of being a child of God, of God being your father or, I mean, your dad. Or if that doesn't work, your mom, I don't care. That child-parent relationship. And then pray, father or, or dad or, or mom, help me trust your love for me and live it out today. And then, once you read it and pray it, try it. Just enjoy it. Be it. See, whether you had a great dad, a terrible dad, or, or no dad, you do have a Heavenly Father who wants to show you what love truly is. You have a Heavenly Father who offers to adopt you into His forever family just as you are right now. He's just asking that you trust Him and His love for you and then enjoy being his child. It doesn't have to be that complicated. Children of God are free to simply enjoy the love of their heavenly Father. Thanks so much for watching this content put out by Cross Creek Community Church. We are a church that meets weekly in Salem on Sundays at 525 Idlewood Drive in South Salem. We meet at 430 in the afternoon on Sundays and the service usually goes about an hour followed by some snacks and time to hang out and mingle and meet people. So if you've been watching or listening online for a while and haven't checked us out in person, we invite you, we welcome you, and we promise it's a safe place to be. Uh, we also have weekly connect groups that meet in the homes and a youth connect for middle school and high schoolers. Thanks again for watching this content put up at Cross Creek Community Church. We have a welcome form online we'd love for you to fill out so you can say hello. Uh, but otherwise, we'll see you next week.